0: This is Mission Disco, the conversation about imagination, innovation, and Christian mission in Ireland and beyond. I am Simon Kilpatrick.
1: And I am Brian Sanders. We are your DJs for this conversation. Okay, Simon, we, we've been, we've been uh, already talking today about a number of other issues, and, and I think we, we both want to kind of take a second to think about and maybe just put words to our optimism. I don't know if that's the right word that we're looking for here, but there is a kind of, listen, both, I, you know, I, I can't speak for you, but I I think I, I know your heart. Like there's, there's some rough moments that we're going through. A lot of us are dealing with some anxiety. There's, Church leaders are really struggling to figure out what to do in this time, and that can be a incredibly destabilizing thing. And so I don't think either one of us want to minimize that or pretend like that's not a serious concern or topic for discussion. But at the same time, we're feeling a kind of sense of, as the ground moves beneath our feet, is something good about to happen and is God up to something? Is God going to use something bad for good, which he often does in his creative genius? Takes something difficult, straining, sifting, and actually does something really beautiful on the backside of it, or even in the midst of it, even through it. So I think we want to take, in this kind of little episode, we want to take a few minutes to reflect, to predict, to imagine... What is God up to in this? what What are we learning maybe about the church, even ourselves in a moment like this? And what are maybe our hopes for the church going forward? So Simon, I know we've already been kind of talking about this a bit um, and 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 I think you 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 keep saying it over and over. It's not like we have answers. This is not th- there, there are no answers that we're about to offer either about the future or even about this cultural moment but there are hunches we have or um, leadings. What are, what are a couple of those things for you? I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. what's, what's your, most, your most kind of
0: pressing? I think it is, I, th- I think what you've what you just said there, that it is a really difficult time pastorally for lots of people and lots there will be, yeah, times times grieving and times will be really difficult. And I think for me, just a sense of, and you said it there, just being reminded that we don't have the answers and I think change is always happening uh, and we've seen change in the church throughout the ages, but I think the change that's happening now is happening so quickly. There's usually other people helping narrate that or helping put, make sense of it. And I think it's really important that we as church leaders, as missionaries, as people involved in ministry, that's really important that we can say um, it's okay that we don't have the answers and it's okay that we're not sure what to do. And I think it's really important that we're being brought back. And I think it's a really good thing that we do that we're brought back to the feet of Jesus and we have to go, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's happening next. I don't know what I should prioritize. So I think it's important that we start in that point that even some of the things that we might say or have said isn't necessarily the answers. They're just suggestions and things maybe trying to, to grasp that. So I, I think there there are people who put themselves under pressure to be able to produce videos, put stuff up online, whatever it might be, have everything set. But actually, I think this time is an opportunity for us to reflect and go back to Jesus and ask what he wants for his church and then act from there. Um, So I do think absolutely it is an opportunity of a few things. So agree, disagree or add on to it. I think it is a real opportunity to reevaluate what church is and how we do church. Um, And there is an opportunity that we have to redo the church that we normally do but just put it online um and you know people have lots of different ways and i don't know what the right way is people are trying different things but the there's a way to go we're going to put out a service and this is what it's going to look like Um, and it's going to be someone giving a talk and maybe we'll have some worship but it's it seems maybe that it's one way and how can we create church that's a little bit more and we talked about this in podcast before more of a conversation and more of an interaction and I think that's one maybe thing we can consider and we have the opportunity to do because technology exists to be able to do it, that we may be able to do something that's more of a conversation and more of a two-way um, discussion that is not just a front-led thing. So I think that's an important uh, well, one even to consider. Even
1: just, I mean, don't you think even just the fact that, 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 that we've been able to pivot, and I say we, I mean the Capital C Church has been able to pivot to this online format as awkward and weak as it is, we did that really fast. We pivoted to that thing. So it's almost like the meta message is has nothing to do with online church. It has to do with the fact that we can do church in other ways. That that to me is one of the most reassuring, inspiring ideas, that when we felt locked in, you know, we really felt and, – and we know because we talk to people all the time – who are up for change. I mean, they're geared up. They want to see the church move to something more missional, not be so dependent on Sunday morning, not be so dependent on their buildings, not be so dependent on their finances or economic models. But it's just, we always talk about a failure of imagination. They just can't see another way. So even if the online thing is inferior, or even if it's being done poorly, it suddenly shakes loose that actually we don't, there are other ways uh, and, and we're capable of adapting even fast, even adapting really fast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we also see uh, people working together as teams. I know there's places that have come together as churches in a local area to, do, to work together, going, look, you're good at this. I'm good at this. How do we do it? And it's, it's funny, that it has to be an external force out there that makes us think differently and makes us reimagine how, how church could be. But I I think there's also the and we, we kind of said it, but there is this pressure that we just produce something and get something out there. Whereas I think maybe there is a moment in time, because this isn't just a two-week gap of church, we're talking further than that. There's an opportunity to go, well, why why are we doing that? Why should we do a talk that's 30 minutes or why should we do those things? Maybe they're they're right, but there's an opportunity for us there to reevaluate all the things that we do on a Sunday morning and go, is this the best way should we have yeah. discussion should we yeah. involve a few more people in this should we have an open discussion it, it gets us to think about the components of what even we put on a Sunday morning yeah and um, we get to reevaluate those as well
1: yeah so maybe maybe the disappointing uh, possibility is we just take what we were doing in our large gatherings and we just do it in an empty room um, point a camera at it and broadcast it, uh, but we, we, you know, it would be a letdown, and I think it would be a, a loss for us if we don't think more creatively than that. If we don't think, okay, like you're saying, if we thought something like inclusion or conversation um, was a value that we had, then you see this moment as, oh, it, c- could we could we suddenly do that when we felt like we couldn't before, but now we can. Um, the sad thing would be to just take that same format and just put it, put it online, you know, so you, so instead of having to get in your car, go sit in an anonymous room and watch a stage. And now you can just sort of walk to your living room turn on your laptop and still anonymously just watch a stage. You know, we, we probably can do better than that. We probably can, can take advantage of a moment like this but i think you're right too maybe the more the the more profound thing is that we're able to ask or being forced to ask the question what is the church like what really is it and if we don't have a building to meet in if we can't meet at all what are we and what do we offer the world and what are we meant to do or be and i think that's one of the things for me that's that's a reinforcement or a a refreshing discovery, which is that the church is people. The church is people. It's human beings. It's not buildings and it's not services. And, and, and this is, this is old news, but we use the word to refer to buildings and church services. We say, do you go to that church over there, you know, on the corner of whatever and whatever, or we point to a building and we say, that's my church, uh, or we say to our kids, "Are you are you going to get up for church this morning?" Um, because again, there's a confinement in the language that the church essentially, definitionally, is a building and a Sunday morning service, and it, it it's not lost on me that those are the two things which which are, you know, under under question here. They're, are the two things that have been taken away from us. Those two ways of defining church have been taken away from us. So now what do we mean when we use the word, how, even in common use, how are we going to use it? Did you watch church now? What are we going to say? Did you, did you tune into church? Uh, uh, it's just, it's just a, a fascinating moment because it, I'll be interested to see how language changes from it. Uh, but of course more importantly just our own view of it our own definition of what the church really
0: is and I think probably most people would agree that the church is the people but in our in the way we work that out we still rely for those who have buildings rely on buildings but even thinking the church is a group of people that's still a scattered group of people it's not a, a group of people who are just in a different building or wherever else or even in in groups in homes so it's a scattered people. So how is the church a scattered people? And I do wonder whether one of the most helpful questions for people, aside from dealing with the the difficulties and the other stuff that's going on that needs to be dealt with and is going to be really difficult. We agree with that. But one of the most important questions that churches could be asking themselves, groups of leaders, small groups, whatever it is, is what is the church? What are we as a church? When we're like this, but what can we learn from this time about what we are as church that we may be different when we come at the end of it? And I know... For, for some churches, um, uh, people have been using Zoom and using breakout rooms, and that's a really helpful way to break people into smaller groups. I know there's probably bigger churches out there who it would be really difficult to have a service where 100 people are all tuned in trying to communicate. But maybe, and I think you'd mentioned it um, on the webinar we did last week, was how do we consider breaking down the church into smaller groups? Now, some churches will have small groups, Bible studies that exist. But if we were to consider people in the same geographical area maybe people who are at the same life stage, maybe people who, maybe it's just a random grouping of people and how could we encourage church in those smaller groups? And some churches are small so they can do that in one group, but how can we ask those questions about what church is and go on that journey of discovery and just see what yeah. comes out of it? I think it would be a wasted opportunities, you say, if we didn't consider asking these questions.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I would, have, you know, I would have been somebody who was arguing um before this this moment that the church is actually more accurately understood as a collection of smaller entities or expressions so again this gives us an opportunity to maybe reconceive what we what we have called our church which might be 100 or 200 people that show up on a sunday um, to a certain building and it gives, us a, it gives us a chance to say, is that really what we are? Is that really how God has organized us? And I would argue and have argued that if you really, take, if you really sort of did the anatomy of that church, you know, um, inverted commas, you know, that thing called church. Is it And, and you, you stripped away the notion that it's just a group of people that come here on Sundays. And you tried to look at it, you tried to kind of break it down, analyze what is it. I think what you'd see is you'd see spheres of spiritual authority so I like I think it's second Corinthians ten where it, Paul uses the term sphere it gets it gets rendered sphere, but it could almost be like a plane or um S- something with boundaries, like a box in a sense, like something with limits. and he's in the way he uses it he says, we don't we don't boast. I don't try to get involved or talk about something that isn't in my sphere, where I don't have kind of spiritual authority. Um, you do your sphere, I'll do my sphere kind of thing. But then of course he says, I think in that, I think maybe it's verse 13 or something he says, And you are included in that sphere. So the the Corinthians are included in what he considers his little sphere of influence or his sphere of authority. And I think every church can be broken down. Every, every, Every 100, 200 people kind of can be, will be broken down. If you take the time to really look at it. So as a church leader, you think, okay, who are we now? What are we now? Look more deeply at your roles and see. Is there, is there kind of groupings of, of tennish people that are un, united somehow by some kind of calling or some relational connectedness, some sphere, some... some and, and what you'll see is there's a bunch of those actually uh, in, in, in your church. And this is the moment to empower those. This is the moment to identify, recognize, uh give give name and voice and leadership like okay then in each of those spheres there's going to be one or two people that really carry some some weight and that are respected and it's time to kind of lean into those people to call them on the phone and say i'm going to need your help going forward um so yeah you you mentioned that but i think it's not just that i believe in micro churches as something that we plant as a way to start the church and then network those together of course, that is—that's our story of the underground. But, but I'm saying even traditional churches probably, if you really took a deep look at them, are broken up into microchurches. Microchurches are there in the ecosystem; they're there already. They may not be fully empowered, or they may not be fully engaged in mission, but they're there. They're waiting to be activated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that leads into the the next uh, thing. I suppose I consider it is how le- leadership looks different. Yeah. Um, I think because there's not the, the stage or the front or you don't have, a, have a, a captive audience as such, leadership looks very different now. We're leading not from the front, but from behind a computer screen or a phone or a phone call or whatever it is. And I think it's really important that we take the opportunity now to reevaluate how we lead and what that looks like. Um, and also, and you said it there, how do we empower some of the people in our churches who are right for the time are able to lead, whether it's they know technology well, whether they're creative, whether they're quick thinking, whether they have ideas that it's worth implementing and trying. I think leadership has to look different. We have to lead differently um, or have to empower other people. There'll be less about the one person and more about that spread, especially if we were to think about um, smaller groups. Who are the leaders? Who right. facilitates those discussions? Who right. leads those groups? That'll look different. How do you empower those people to to lead some of those smaller churches? Yeah,
1: yeah. Because the elegance of having just one big meeting is, you know, you 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 just need less leaders. You know, uh, there's only there's only one time, there's only one slot for preaching, for example. And if you did start thinking, okay our church is actually a collection of micro churches, you know, we instead of we're a hundred people, we're 10 micro churches. Well, then you, then that's at least 10 more leaders. Um, that's 10 more sermons. That's 10 more, whatever you do, whatever the core work that you're doing, 10 more worship leaders, 10 more exhorters, 10 more everything. Um, so I know that's, that's probably terrifying for some people. They just think, Oh my gosh, I can't get, I can't get people to, um, you know, do Sunday school. I, I can't, I don't, I, I, don't have enough leaders. You know, don't, don't, don't give me an, a version of the church, which requires more, but again, how we do it, what it is when people really feel ownership, um, people, people maybe don't want to say yes to volunteerism or leading sometimes because it's inconsequential. You know, the thing that we're asking them to do is not something that's meaningful to them personally. Uh, it doesn't feel significant or important, uh, and so yeah, it can be tricky. It can be difficult to get people to volunteer for something they don't it doesn't appear to be massively important. Um, but if you understood that the church, you this is the church. This this ten, this group of ten people is the church, and 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 maybe God has called you, destined you, essentially to lead this uh, and to to steward the sacred life of the church the sacramental life of the church well gosh that's a big deal
0: that's and i think you know an opportunity for a hundred person church to break into groups of 10 10 groups of 10 there are leaders there there's people there right. if you don't recognize them that there are people there who are willing to and wanting to lead if you're a church of 10 people then it's an opportunity to show how church could be different and what church could look like online <clears throat> whatever way that works yep. there's a way to show people that You know, in in a year's time, when there's 20 people in the church, you have an opportunity to have two versions of those 10 people, um, churches. I think another thing, in uh, thinking about leadership and how it looks different, I think there's um, more than ever maybe a need for, because no one knows what they're doing and we're trying to work it out step by step and learn on the go, um, there's more of a need for leaders to speak together, whether that's within churches Mm -hmm. or whether it's across churches, how do those? How do we facilitate those? And even just the past week, seeing various different prayer gatherings happening um, throughout online are very mixed um, groups of people—people people who don't really know each other. I was on a few where I didn't know everyone on it, um, and that's a really, really encouraging thing to see how leaders are uh, be more open. And I, I really pray and hope that prayer things that happen over the next few weeks will continue on and they'll become a normal thing. Maybe they'll happen in person. Um, or maybe they'll still continue online, but that's a massive thing. Leaders willing to learn, support one another, encourage one another, and um, realize that they're in it together. I think that's a, a really, uh, amazing, um, part to, to going through all of this. I think.
1: Yeah. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be cool if one of the outcomes here is that some traditional churches reconceive themselves as a collection of smaller churches. There is a, a sort of renaissance of leadership in those churches, and there's these communities of leaders that now emerge, this sort of layer of leadership which was not there before, to encourage each other to just re, re under, reconceive what it means to be part of the church, um, what it means to be a contributor to the church, to not just do some small Role or volunteer in some small piece, but to actually lead the church in its fullness somewhere with some group of people, including mission and in its missional engagement, to understand its missional engagement. How cool would it be if, if a bunch of 100, 200-person churches saw themselves in a time of crisis where they needed to break up into something more cellular, saw themselves as 10 or 20 microchurches, and then when the dust settles on this thing, and we can go back to normal. We have this other option now that's just sitting there on the table, which is we could go back to just meeting on Sundays now. Or we could take these 20 micro churches, which we have now identified, and we could give the full force and full kind of sacramental life and resources of the church to them being the church wherever they are. And actually discerning their kind of missional gap that they exist in or could be called to. Man, can you imagine that? Just the 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 energy of that, the possibilities of that. Now that that two hundred person church is broken up into twenty micro churches, which could be engaging in mission when when we're back to kind of full full life with each other again, engaging in mission in twenty places around the city. That is really exciting. That's an exciting possibility, and and I'm not sure people would have felt that that kind of change. Was within reach um, before this. I think they might have thought, "How do I go? I'm a 200 person church. People just like to come here on Sundays. I, I have no idea how to how to shift to something which is more networked, which is more micro church based, and all of a sudden it it could just happen because of this. If 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 we if we utilize this moment, you know, if we if we, um, you know, t- take the the What we're being forced to deal with and we deal with it in a constructive way rather than just trying to survive trying to hold on
0: yeah it could be very exciting and sometimes when we think about uh, breaking the church into smaller parts we think of them just as a small group or a bible study and that's a valuable thing to be doing but and i suppose one of the questions is what does mission look like and how do you do mission when we're all confined to our homes but what if you gave each of those smaller groups of 10, those smaller churches, either gave them some sort of uh, missional focus, or they discern that themselves. Like maybe there's a group of people in a particular area who, while they meet every Thursday evening together for dinner or whatever it is online, they could be praying for their area, or they pray for some sort of social need in their area. And then when when we come out of this time, they already have that thing that they've been thinking about, or at least they've discerned something that they have a heart for
1: yeah wouldn't that be something so you say look i mean again it's almost like a someone's just dipping your toe in the water emissions. mission's like we're not asking you to go do anything because you can't go do anything we're not asking you to leave your home because you can't leave your home but we're asking you to pray we're asking you to pray about some aspect of the city some group of people and and if they have a talk about it a chat about it and they all go we kind of all care about this one thing let's let's choose to pray about that and all you're asking them to do in this, this this moment, this phase, is to just pray for that group of people. To not just think about their own needs, but to be thinking about the needs of that unreached group of people, that uncared for, un you know, seen group of people. And you're right. So so when you go back to normal, whatever that is, uh, all of a sudden you have these smaller groups of people that your church has been broken into, who all have some kind of growing, burning love for some aspect of the city that needs mission. And maybe that would revert. We just revert back to our normal, but at least it gives that a fighting chance. Um, but if we do nothing, if we just keep putting it online, we just put preaching and music online, which is great. Let's keep doing that. But if that's the only, um, that's the only pivot we make here. It's just, let's just go online. And we don't also think about reorganization. So on the one hand, try to try to convert what you're doing to an online format on the other hand can you think about reorganizing so that people feel connected so that they see that the church is not just this one big gathering but it's actually something more spherical you know more more a, a smaller version
0: yeah i one other thing as as well i think about and kind of seen over the last two weeks is that kind of the constant reevaluation of things like every day there's new things out. Things have changed in the country. Restrictions are put in. Things are changing so quickly that it's really important as a church that we don't just like we had to abandon, you know what we planned for the next few weeks on a Sunday morning, because it just didn't make any sense at that time. Um, but how do we continually reevaluate? And I think there's probably two things that we hold, there's the what's happening in the country. And there's also then what's happening with the people, either the people in our church or in, the, or in our communities. And how do we adjust? And that feedback loop, that constant reevaluation has to happen quickly. It has to be, I was in a meeting there last week and we said, let's let meet every two weeks and reevaluate what we're doing and mm-hmm. adjust it because things change so quickly. And that's another thing we need to learn is the way we've done things and the way we've planned to do things for the next few weeks isn't always going to work. We have to reevaluate that. And that, for some people, that's a dread because they have to rethink how they do things. For other people, it's a really exciting opportunity because they get to reinvent and recreate uh, regularly. But I think that's a really crucial. How do we evaluate? How do we hear from God what God's saying for this week or for next week um, is a really important thing.
1: Yeah, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of blown away, you know, impressed by even, even kind of stilted traditional stuff. Duck kind of churches have adapted quickly, you know. Like it, it, actually, adaptivity, fluidity are something that they're capable of. Turns out, you know, if if forced, this is kind of catastrophic uh, conditions. But that that should be very encouraging, even to even to kind of churches that are steeped in tradition or that feel stuck. Um, it turns out you're not it turns out that we're we're much more creative I I was so I I I wrote something recently about um creativity I was thinking about okay one of one of the outcomes here may be uh, a new sense of creativity in the church and I was kind of I was torn with whether the way to say that is kind of like we need to learn to, or we need to cultivate creativity or we need to become creative or something like that. And I just, it just didn't seem right. It didn't feel right to me to say it that way. And so I settled on the idea of like remembering that we are creative. So it's not like the church isn't creative and it needs to learn to be creative. It's actually that we are creative and always have been like in the long history of the church. if, If you, if you pan out, if you pull back you realize the church is one of the most creative things enterprises in human history actually like we we look at problems and solve them at a remarkable rate but when you but you have to really kind of pan way back in history and we have a long story so we get the we have the advantage of that so it's not that we need to be creative because we already are creative it's just that we forgot we're creative we 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 lean on best practices or algorithms and, and we forget that we have this sort of latent skill. Yeah. I was thinking um, I used to be, I used to be um, like an okay tennis player, a decent tennis player, but man, I have not played in so long, like years really. But I thought I wanted to go over here to, to Shankill tennis, And I just wanted to meet people. And so I thought I'm going to go out there and do one of their open play days. I think I, did I tell you this? Did I tell you this story? No, no. So I, so I thought I'm going to go over there and they only, they're only open by the way on for open play for free play on Sunday mornings. So even that was a kind of like,
0: you You missed church then. Did you? I did. I did. So it it
1: forced me like, if I'm going to go meet people, I've got to go on a Sunday morning. So I went over there one time and, um, with Michael's and B's blessing, by the way, Simon, so it's okay. Um, (laughs) And dude, I was so bad. I mean, for the first like five games, I was just horrible. I couldn't, my swing was wrong. My my footwork was terrible. I could, I just couldn't time like the bounce of the ball. One return of serve, it like went off the frame of my racket. That's like the ultimate shame. You know, it like bangs off the frame of my <laughs> racket, goes over the fence. And now I'm like. <laughs> the walk of shame, like running outside the gate to try to go retrieve the ball. Cause you just, Oh, you feel bad. I probably apologized to the guy four times, you know, the first five games, I was just like, I'm so sorry. I'm really rusty, you know? But the truth is it was all in my head. Like I was just, it's tennis is such a mental sport. I was just so anxious and I couldn't stop being anxious because I couldn't stop thinking about how anxious I was and how terrible I was doing. Anyway, something changed about five games in where I just, I just dropped that. And midway through the first set, whatever it was, I just, I started to remember, here's the thing, not just how to play, but how to think about playing. Like I started to remember, like, you got to chill, dude. You got to, you got to drop all this. You just got to, just got to play, you know how to play. And I just started to shed some of that anxiety of being out of practice and and the last point being terrible or whatever. And I just started to play and I did not lose another game. My serve starts to click, my ground strokes start to come. And all of a sudden I realized I'm better than this guy. I'm a lot better than this guy. And it's it, the, the issue wasn't that I was not good at tennis or good at tennis or anything like that. It's that I had forgotten that I was good at tennis. I had for I, I just, it had been too long. And that's what I, that's, I keep thinking about that in relationship to the church's creativity. I just think the church is a bastion of creativity. It always has been. We just forgot that because for the last couple of decades, we stopped being creative. We just relying on liturgy and, and, and other people's algorithms. And it's like inhibited our creative powers and it's given us amnesia. That's what I'm saying. It, it's made us think we aren't creative. So when we sit down, you and I, when we sit down with traditional church leaders, they don't think of themselves as creative. They don't think of their people as particularly creative. And it's not just because they aren't or haven't been. It's just because for they, they're just out of practice. They're out of practice. And then when they try to do something creative, it's awkward or weird or kitsch or whatever. Because again, they've forgotten How to do it. They've forgotten how to be that way. So I think this, again, this, for me, this could be a kind of jogging of the memory for us Uh, in a moment like this where we are adapting and we're surprising even ourselves that in a couple of weeks we can go from being so dependent on something like Sunday morning to just not having it. But we're still existing, we're still finding a way in the context of which we are to do something. I think that's a breathtaking yeah. And, and it should be encouraging for us. And that, that would be a word that I would want to have for church leaders. Like it's there, it's in you. It's latent. The creative genius of God, the creator God, whom you serve, who you, whose spirit dwells in you uh, is just waiting to help you remember uh, that kind of, that, that gift that the church has.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of the time we can think about, well, I'm not a creative person because we, limit creativity just to art or writing or something else and i think it's it's really important to remember that we we are creative each one of us and the church has been creative and been reminded of that and yeah we can try and be creative and we'll do some silly things and the ball will come off the rim of the racket or we'll be walking around to pick up the ball from the other side of the fence but we have to make those we have to try those things uh, we have to make those mistakes experiment a little bit but also as you say in game 5 of your uh, of your tennis game there is a a reminder for us that god is creative and god is in this and um that god will uh bring us through it and it's it's kind of a trusting and a relying again on god and not our own it's it's a letting go um so i think that's yeah that's maybe another uh, thing for people to be considering to thinking about let's try things we're at this time where things are different they look different we're already pushed into this completely different uh, world let's try some things over the next few weeks and see see what works uh, and what doesn't i've been reminded that we are creative and god is creative and god can use us um in this amen you've been listening to mission disco a podcast by praxis movement you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at praxis movement Subscribe, like or download this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or online at PraxisMovement.com.